Hey there, I'm Julie, and this is the Married to Addiction podcast. If you're here, then you're probably what I call my secret sister. We're in a situation we never asked to be in and fighting a battle we never wanted to fight. We're faith-filled women who are married to an alcoholic, and it affects every inch of our lives. If that sounds like you, then this is a safe place for you to land. Married to Addiction is a faith-based podcast where I help you find the tools and strength you need to navigate your husband's addiction without losing yourself in the process. So please subscribe and tune in as often as you can, because your husband's recovery is important, but so is yours. Hey there, I wanted to just take a quick second to make sure that you have heard about the new program I just launched called Simply Nourished. Now you may wonder what in the world nutrition and wellness have to do with being the wife of an alcoholic, and the short answer is a lot. When we're going through hard things, which obviously this situation is a really, really hard thing, we often just completely neglect good eating habits. We turn to junk food for comfort. We don't take care of ourselves in any way, shape, or form because we've completely put ourselves on the back burner because we're so focused on what's going on with our husbands. And the problem with that is that not only now are we going through a hard thing, But now we are completely run down. We have no energy. We don't have any good nutrition in our bodies. And all of that just basically makes us completely unable to cope with anything in general, but most especially the difficulties that are involved with having an addicted spouse. So, of course, this can lead to just so many problems down the road. Um, You know, health-related or food-related health issues are a really big issue for women just anyway. And when you pile all the rest of this on top of it, it just really makes it that much harder. So the purpose of Married to Addiction as a whole has always been to help you take better care of you And this program is no different. The goal is basically to just teach you simple, good nutrition and wellness. I keep it really simple for you. That's the name for for you as the wife of an alcoholic so that you can care for your body, which will make you better equipped to handle everything else that's going on. So I would love to have you join me in that program. You just, to find out more about it, you just go to my website, marytoaddiction.com, click on the need help drop down, and you'll see Simply Nourished there. I'd love to have you join us. Hello, and welcome to episode 65 of the Married to Addiction podcast. This episode is actually a follow-up to one that I did a couple months ago. This is called Answering Your Questions, Part 2. So if you remember last, I believe it was October, November-ish, I had people write in and ask questions that they had as wives of alcoholics. And I did the Part 1 episode where I answered, I think, like 10 or so questions, but there was a lot more that I received. So I decided to do a few more of those today here with you. So um, for the sake of time, I'm not going to get really super detailed with these answers. Some of them I'm going to actually refer you to another podcast episode where I did cover some of what was asked today. Um, But I want to do at least address a few more of these. I think there's seven or eight here that I'm going to go over. So let's hop right in. Number one, When do we need to discuss our husband's addiction with the kids? Both of my teens know he drinks and that it's an issue, but I know I have skirted around it. I know it's a family issue. So for this one, I believe that if your husband has a problem with alcohol, it is obvious. And in this case, she she plainly says that it is. Um, Then you need to discuss it with your kids. A lot of times, even when they don't let on that they really see that it's a problem or know that it's a problem, 
they know and they notice a lot more than we think they do. And a lot of times they're struggling with it on some level, but they aren't saying about anything about it, especially if they're teenagers, because teenagers are known for not being really open with their feelings where their parents are concerned, right? Teenagers, especially, it's also an age where their own choices might begin to be negatively influenced by their dad's drinking or drinking behaviors. So I do think that a conversation needs to happen. This is definitely a family issue, as you said. We need support. They also need support. So I did another episode on this called What About My Kids? It was episode 39. Go listen to that one. I do uh, give you some resources in that one that you can utilize to help your kids because I know it's kind of hard to just say, okay, well, I need to have a discussion about this, but what in the world do I say? Um, There's some resources there that can give you a lot of guidance around that. So be sure to go check that out. Number two. I understand the power of speaking positivity, but if you need to vent to someone and all you do is complain about the situation you're in or what your husband said or did while he was drunk, is that being negative in a bad way? Because it's confusing when you're trying to be positive and not speak bad things about your husband, yet here you are with so much emotion buried in your mind and heart that you're ready to explode. Mental health experts tell us to go talk about our feelings, but what if those feelings are all resentment and anger? Should we just ignore it because it's better to speak life? So there's a couple of things that I want to address here. First of all, no, you should not just keep your emotions bottled up. The goal is not to pretend like everything is fine. That is really unhealthy and it can lead to even more problems for us as wives because when we just are like bottling things up and not expressing how we feel or just pretending like we don't feel the way that we feel, that can cause problems obviously with your mental health for starters, but it can also cause problems with your physical health because now you're carrying around a bunch of stress. Those feelings are not just going away. They're still there under the surface and that can lead to health problems. That can lead to high blood pressure, um, you know, heart attacks, really serious things. So we don't want to just bottle things up and pretend like everything's fine, but we do need to be careful where, how, when, etc we're expressing those feelings because if we're expressing our feelings but we're doing that in a destructive way, that's also gonna cause more problems for us. So what do we actually do with these feelings? The first thing is you really need to find a trusted advisor, a support group, et cetera. That is so critical because that allows you to talk through things with people who understand and can empathize and encourage you. Now, I do caution you to be careful with who you choose because as I've mentioned before, a lot of times there is much misunderstanding around addiction in general, and you will probably get a lot of unsolicited advice. The problem with that is that if you are going to a lot of other people or even just a couple other people solely to get your advice on what you should do or to vent to them or whatever, they are not necessarily going to be guiding you the same way that the Lord would be guiding you. So we really need to be careful who we trust with this information and who we take suggestions, advice, et cetera, from because of the reasons that I just outlined. It can be not not really in line with where God is trying to take you, what God is trying to do in the situation. Secondly, I'm sure you've heard me say this before, But the goal for us as wives of alcoholics should be to untie ourselves 
from our husband's addiction. Once you start to do that, you will find that those feelings that make you feel like you want to explode will begin to subside. It won't feel like such a constant battle to keep your cool because you're not so addicted to and attached to his addiction. That is basically what's causing you to constantly feel those feelings of anger, resentment, et cetera, because you are so hyper-focused on everything that he's doing and his addiction and how he can get better and when he will get better and all the things that it's, you know, causing in your life, all the problems that it's causing, et cetera. So beginning to untie helps that tremendously. The other part of that is while you're learning to untie, it's also super important that you are learning to lean in closer to God. Because like I said, that is who you really need to be getting your guidance from. He's the only one that knows the beginning, the middle, and the end of this situation. He's the only one that knows what the plan is for you and your future. Once you start doing that, that will also lead you to more peace, which also diffuses those feelings. So that is definitely my recommendation there. And of course, quick PSA, you can get both that support from, you know, people who understand and detailed guidance around untying and how to lean in closer to God, even during this difficult time in my membership called the Secret Sister Circle. So if you need more support and help there, that is available to you. Um, MarriedToAddiction.com to find that. Number three. What should the wife of an alcoholic's ideal relationship with alcohol look like in her own life? This is a great question, and I'm really glad that somebody asked this. We've already talked about this in another episode. It was episode 28, Should You Drink If Your Husband Is an Alcoholic? But that episode was more around how your drinking relates to your husband. But let's talk a little bit about our own relationship with alcohol. So at some point, a lot of wives of alcoholics, and I know I did this, decide to just kind of adopt a, if you can't beat them, join them attitude. You know, I remember thinking, nothing I'm doing to try to get him to stop drinking is working. So whatever, let's just do it together. Let's just party together. Let's just, I'm just going to embrace this lifestyle, you know, for as long as, as long as we can, we're just going to ride this out. That is obviously completely ineffective for changing your husband's behavior, which if you're arriving at that point because you're exhausted of, of, from trying to change his behavior and you're thinking, well, that might work, you know, maybe, maybe we'll just do it this way. If you think that that's going to help, it is not. That is completely ineffective at changing your husband's behavior. But on top of that, it is an extremely slippery slope for us. I've actually had some women join the Secret Sister Circle and then realize that they themselves had a problem with alcohol. Most often, if you are questioning whether or not you have a problem with alcohol, then you probably do on some level, and that is something that obviously we want to address, right? So if you feel like you might be in that boat and you need resources around trying to get help for yourself, please feel free to email me at julie at marriedtoaddiction.com and I will help direct you from there. Number four, how do I rebuild trust with my husband? I want to believe that he's making progress with his drinking problem, but in the past he has been sneaky and dishonest. So my take on this is that trust is really difficult to build when somebody is in active addiction because their primary instinct will always be to protect their addiction. 
which leads to sneakiness and dishonesty. When someone is an alcoholic, they need alcohol. They need it psychologically. They need it oftentimes physically even. So anything that threatens that will be met with resistance. This is another place where untying from the addiction can be so important because once we are not so addicted to the addiction and so worried about our husband's every move and we stop constantly asking questions and we stop interrogating, that will equate naturally to fewer times that our husband will have to be protective of his addiction in the way of being sneaky or dishonest. Spoiler alert here. Those questions and interrogations will almost surely never equate to him suddenly saying in the midst of an interrogation, okay, you're right, let's go get in the car and go get treatment. That is usually not the way that it works out. What usually happens instead is they just feel like they have to learn to hide it better. That's what my husband did. He knew I was looking for it. He knew I was going to ask him about it. So he just started hiding it better. None of those things that I was doing helped get him sober ultimately. So just realize that untying is really important here as well because it's super hard to try to build trust when you're constantly asking somebody whether or not they're doing something that you already know that they're doing and they have the instinct to be untruthful because they're trying to protect their addiction. So untie, untie on time. Number five, my husband expects me to have sex with him after he's been mad and not treating me with respect. I, on the other hand, have absolutely no no desire to be intimate with him. He thinks I'm using no sex as a tool against him. That's not how I see it. I think it's best described as boundaries. I believe his addiction affects how he treats me. Am I wrong? The first thing I want to say here is you should never be in the position where you feel forced to have sex, period, full stop, end of story. I do not believe that it is a wifely duty, quote unquote, regardless of whether or not we want to do it. That being said, we do have to be mindful in this situation in particular, and really just in marriage in general, if you think about it, of whether or not we are saying no or withholding sex to punish him. That's a whole nother situation. But outside of that, no, you are 100% allowed to have boundaries around sex if it ever feels unsafe to you in any way, including emotionally. Number six, will he ever see that he is addicted? And what steps can I take to help him see it? He believes because he understands why he drinks that he can control it. But that's not how addiction works in the brain. No, that's not how addiction works in the brain. But it is also not our job to help him see that he's addicted. That is his own walk. That is his own journey. That is between him and the Lord, etc. But what we can do on our side is we can stop enabling him, we can create boundaries, etc. Because those things carry natural consequences for the addicted person, which can potentially help them realize what the true problem is, you know, that there is the depth of the problem and can potentially lead them to 
realizing that they do need treatment and recovery. We can also untie from the addiction. Are you sensing a theme? <laughs> because when we untie from the addiction, aside from you know the things that I talked about earlier, the, how that can benefit both of us really, is that when we are when we're untying, we are getting out of our husband's ear. When we get out of our husband's ear constantly, that creates two, that basically causes two things to happen. The first is that it creates space for him to start to sit with his decisions. So a lot of times, and we know that you know we didn't cause our husbands drinking, but a lot of times they will tell themselves, and you've heard me probably say this before too, well, I drink because my wife always nags me about drinking and I just can't deal with it. Like she won't shut up about it. She drives me crazy. She's constantly badgering me about drinking. So I'm drinking because of that. Like I just can't deal with this anymore. They basically use that as an excuse, at least, you know, one of their excuses in their head. Well, when you're not doing that, they can't tell themselves, I'm going to the bar or I'm, you know, opening this bottle of bourbon because my wife won't shut up about me drinking and I can't take it anymore. They are going to have to sit with their decision that I am opening this bottle because I have a problem and I can't stop. It creates a space for them to get to that place, for them to get to that mindset. The other thing that it does, and you've heard me say this before too, is that if we are not constantly in our husband's ear, it also creates some silence for the Lord to come in and start being the one in his ear and start speaking and start working in his life. Super important. Number seven, at what point during recovery do you say enough? Like for instance, after going to recovery center and now almost two years later, he still drinks even if it's just one a day. Although I love him, it's still upsetting and mentally exhausting when I come home to this. So when do you know when to give up? So I think that Mariah, the drug and alcohol counselor that I talked to in the last episode, did a really good job of shedding some light on this. She made some really great points, and I want to talk about two of those. The first is that she said that one of the most surprising things is for family members to realize how long it often takes for somebody to get sober for good. They really don't understand that it can be quite a long process before somebody actually gets sober for good. She also said that she does see people come back after relapsing. She's a drug and alcohol counselor and they'll work with her and then they'll, you know, go back to drinking and then they'll come back and they'll say, hey, you know, I messed up, but I'm back. She said that she always gives them credit for coming back. Because even if they keep drinking, if they keep coming back around to attempting sobriety, that means that they want it on some level and they're still trying to get there. As far as on our side of things, when do we give up? That is when I would tell you 100% that it is time to lean into the Lord for guidance. Because as I mentioned, only He knows the beginning, the middle, and the end of the situation. Only he knows when and if your husband will get sober, and only he knows what his plans are for your life from here. So this is a critical time to work on your relationship with the Lord. Critical time. 
for that. And oftentimes I know that can feel a little bit bristly because we feel like sometimes the Lord has abandoned us through this. I promise you that's not true. If that is a place where you need guidance or if you are struggling there, that is something else that we also do work on in the Secret Sister Circle, just FYI. So I hope that this has been helpful. Thank you to everybody who sent in questions. I really appreciate it because, of course, if you have the question, somebody else does too. And again, if if some of the things that we talked about are places that you feel like you're really struggling and you're tired of being there and you're tired of feeling like you can't untie or you're tired of being mad at God or you're trying to, tired of trying to do this on your own with no support, I would love to have you come and join us in the Secret Sister Circle. It's my membership for Christian Wives of Alcoholics that was created especially for you. So again, you can just find that by going to my website, marriedtoaddiction.com, and you'll see the Get Help drop down, and you can find the link right there to join up. So thank you again for sending in the questions, and as always, thank you so much for listening. I will see you next time. Quick question for you before I let you go today. Have you been to the Married to Addiction website? If you haven't, I would love if you would go pay it a visit. It's just marriedtoaddiction.com. And over there, you can see um, just a lot of different information about my podcast. There is a blog on there. There's some free resources for you. And there's also a few ways that you can actually get some help if you need a little more help and direction and support as you travel this difficult path with your addicted husband. So if you haven't yet, please go visit marriedtoaddiction.com. Thanks so much.